That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. Now, your programme. What's the big idea? Well, they've grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been a little green behind the red, white and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Charlie Thrigo! Hello and welcome to a very special episode of An Irishman Abroad with me, Jarrett Regan, literally on the brink of getting on the ferry to return to Ireland once more. I'm here with the founder of the Wellbeing Gym, creator of the MAP model for personal well-being and peak performance, James Parnell. But he's also the creator of a new dawn in Ireland.com, a resource for returning immigrants or those coming to Ireland for the first time. A New Dawn in Ireland was the first blended online and offline training and coaching program to inspire and help people create the life they wanted in Ireland. And it first came to my attention in 2019. James and I had a chat then when going back to Ireland was just a plan off in the distance. And James, the first thing I'll say to you is our plan was always to come back. Ours is a bit different. And our plan was always to come back to Ireland to send our son to secondary school there. But then I turned around and kind of followed through on it and realized that there's so many people doing the exact same thing as me. So do you ever have that moment where you, you have, think you have an original idea and you realize everybody else is doing it at the same time? Am I right in recognizing, first of all, that there is a huge glut of Irish people returning from abroad now? Yeah, I think you probably are. I mean, I don't have the, the numbers, um, but if that's an interesting uh, phenomenon you, you talked about, you know, when you do something or you make a decision to do something and you realize, you know, your radar is then switched on for that and you start noticing everybody seems mm. to be doing it. You know, it's like when you have your first child, uh, your wife's pregnant and then everyone around you is, is, is pregnant. So I think there's a name for that. Uh, you know, your brain filters for it. So that's an interesting concept. But I think you know, in the last two or three years since we since we last spoke, you know, a lot has changed. Obviously, I've had friends and clients who uh, in, 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 in the UK in particular, who experienced the vote for uh, Brexit and felt like they didn't belong there anymore. So, you know, that's that's one major wor world event, I suppose, that mm. has changed the way people think. Another one is the obvious one, uh, which is COVID. And I think during COVID, um, you know, you had the start of the great resignation in the States and you had people basically reevaluating their priorities. They were, hmm. you know, there was less distractions for us. There was less, uh, opportunities for us to be distracted in, in, in some ways. And so we were, we became more insular. We, we came home to ourselves and maybe we realized certain things that are important to us. And so, you know, when you get these world events, people probably seek security and safety and, Part of that is going home 
to where you feel that security and safety and mm. you know for for him for some immigrants they'll feel more secure when they're surrounded by loved ones and when they're in a place that's more familiar to them um so yeah like i said i don't have the, the numbers but it certainly feels like from my perspective there's more people reaching out to me for my help and uh there's there's definitely um yeah, I, I, I feel like there's a bit of a rethink of, of priorities and values and hence where you're going to live. Well, we do want to talk about your business and how you manage people returning to Ireland and what you see as the, the problems they face, the concern and anxiety that's in them, that's in me right now with all my stuff already arrived in Ireland. My stuff is already there. Tina and I are just about to get in the car and go to Hollyhead ourselves. But you talk about the statistics. I can pull up one particular article from 2021 in the Examiner that said that the CSO was reporting the highest number of returning Irish nationals since 2007. And that lifted the country's population above 5 million for the first time in 170 years. So I guess, you know, that is the proof in the pudding. The people are returning and as you say a lot of these returns are down to rethinking some of it is down to the cost of living crisis that we're living through i just couldn't get over the expense of it how many times do you see people want to move home then get themselves into the process without realizing oh actually i'm snookered here i I can't afford to do this. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty common. I think you you tend to underestimate uh, a few of the factors, but you know the first factor is is finance. Can you actually afford to to move home? And um, you know, a recent uh, client of mine uh, was coming back from London, um, financially pretty pre- doing pretty well, and um, then realised that things were more expensive. That even um, getting a foothold in the property market um, was just much more difficult, um, and that you know cash isn't the only determinant of whether you can get a mortgage. You need you need to be here for a while and 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 things like that. So um, I I think as part of you know the the process of deciding whether you you are coming home, uh, you need to know exactly what your financial situation is and whether you can afford to do that. You know so. Um, what I tend to recommend to clients is to do a very simple exercise uh, to calculate your net financial worth. Um, I'd also have tools um, that uh, provide clients with the cost of living um, and the cost of the move itself. I wrote an article in the Irish Times back in 2017, and it's interesting actually because I think I'm a pretty organised person, and I thought I, you know, I, I planned ahead. And there's so yeah. many resources available to returning immigrants, but actually a lot of returning immigrants don't tap into them. They just kind of wing it. And mm. uh, the Irish Times asked me to, uh, to to write about the cost of living. And I realized the, the cost of returning, sorry. And I realized that in the first year after returning, we had spent, I think it was about 50,000, which is ridiculous, right? When, when you think about it, right? Now, some of that was, you know, just the cost of living for that year. Um, plus the, you know, the, the additional costs of actually moving, you know, moving all our stuff from Australia, flights, everything else, but also, and, and it was a very, um, we chose consciously, um, to spend extra to make sure that our children were, were, um, 
not disrupted, uh, you know, to minimize the disruption on them. And we could, I, I guess we were lucky in that we could uh, make those decisions, but a lot of people are, tr you know, need to do it on, you know, less than 10,000 or less than 5,000 or whatever it is that your budget is. So it's really important to be clear. It's like anything. It's like renovating your house. It's really important to have a budget and to figure out what can that get you and whether mm. moving home is, is, is viable. But like I said, it's amazing how many people, you know, don't do that because it's an emotional decision. You, you tend to, to go with your heart, which is the, the right way, way to make an emo, uh, a, a decision uh, like this, but then you have to switch and use your head, um, and really think, uh, think ahead. So, yeah, mm. I mean, uh, I was just thinking of you, Jared, about to hop on the ferry and I have a little, uh, a, a new arrivals checklist of all the logistics and all the things that you have to, uh, that, that, have that to you have out. ahead of you. So I'll, I'll send that yeah. to you, you know, but, um, yeah, you know, James, let me jump in there because, you know, you mentioned the emotion and that's on my mind too, because I'm very like, I really do regard myself as blessed to be going back in the way I am and to have the village because it does take a village to do this. Uh, and for some people, they don't want to notify the village. They, they, they're doing it because various reasons that they're not that proud of in some cases. I'd imagine that navigating that side of things, it, I, I mean, that must be part of your job too, that you come across people who kind of don't want to shout it from the rooftops that they're coming home and I've kind of had this decision forced upon them. Yeah, I, I, and that's the part that really interests me because when, when you look at social media and people who are thinking about coming back, a lot of people get caught up and distracted by the logistics. Um, and obviously they're all valid concerns like the bureaucracy mm. and how you're going to do things. Um, but they are not the determinants of whether you're going to be happy here. Um, so that emotional aspect and your resilience, your ability to adapt is, is going to be the key. You know, it's not the first six months it's after the six months it's, uh, you know, ha have you got support? Have you got friends? Do you feel yes. like, you know, you belong in the right place and, and, you know, it's not just, you know, I, I, it's, it's an additional challenge for those people who are not, uh, coming home, having, you know, maybe saved or achieved things or are proud of themselves or, or whatever. Um, because even when you're, you're quite happy in yourself, nobody here really cares to be honest, right? People have their own problems. People yeah. have their, have their own lives that they have built. Um, and without you for that period of time, and I'm talking about people who've been away a long time, um. And nobody really wants to hear a lot about your story. They're just, they're happy that you're safe, that you're home, but they don't, you know, you're, you were away in some place that they don't understand. Um, mm. And that for me. I, I remember hearing a story of somebody who said that their brother didn't get up from the chair when, when she came in the door and that, yeah. that it must be tough. That's, and that's, I think that's the biggest challenge. And probably for me personally, um, speaking, 
it's probably been like, I, I talk about the gap between expectations and reality. And in the area of relationships and support, that's probably been uh, the biggest challenge for me is I made assumptions of how things would fall back into place with certain relationships and things like that. And they just didn't. And I have to accept that. And I have to focus on the ones that work um, and focus on myself and focus on the positives. James, you bring up one side of things there in terms of the friendships you said that didn't survive. That... The way you wrote about that in the Irish Times, and I will put those links to those articles, was exceptional. And I'd say it's, you know, the primary reason why we're looking at a book from you in the near future. Because, as you said, people that haven't moved away can't get this. Was that part of the reason you wanted to write those pieces? Was that part of the reason that you felt those friendships drifted away? Because what you were living through, it has to be, it has to be experienced to understand. Yeah. Um, I mean, the reason that I wrote at the time was I just felt I had a challenge on my hands and I had done a few courses in personal development, you know, life coaching and neuroscience. And, uh, while I never kept a diary when I was young, um, a few people recommended just writing as, as a therapeutic kind of process. So it started off writing about anything that I, that I was complaining about, you know, you'd start yeah. with a piece of paper and you'd, you'd basically, uh, complain, realize that you're complaining and you're being a bit of a moan, give yourself a pep talk and come up with solutions. So that writing process was just really important to me. I'd, I'd pop out every day at half three, I'd go for coffee in the local coffee shop. Um, and I would just get it out of my body basically. Um, mm. but specifically with, with friendships and relationships, I guess at some point, um, naturally I was going through trying to reestablish relationships. Uh, there was teething problems even in forgetting and then remembering social norms in Ireland, like conventions, at gatherings, and, yeah. uh, these things that like, when you go away and you've got no family, um, you've, you've got friends who are all on the same sort of, uh, path as you, and you're just going to barbecues and like, you know, there's no real rules. Everybody just has a good time. Um, mm. and there's not, there's not, there's, there's less rules you come back and you realize there's certain conventions with different generations and stuff like that. And you, you kind of step on people's toes and, and, uh, I remember having a conversation with, with my folks actually, and, and, and they would ask me how I was getting on, how I was adjusting and. You know, I'd, I'd obviously uh, complain about things and say what's going well, what's not. But also they said, it's not just you that's adjusting. It's an adjustment for them as well, which I had never thought about. Uh, you know, I was in selfishly, I guess, thinking about the challenges that I had, uh, but also the people around you have to mm. uh, have, have an adjustment to make. And so I think like everybody there needs to be tolerant of one another um, and open to whatever way it turns out, I think, you know, so uh, I wrote about this recently because I had a conversation with a recently returned friend. He returned from London. He was having very similar challenges. And um, so I wrote about relationships, the gap between your expectations and the reality and a few tips on just going easy on yourself, being tolerant with others, keeping the door open, but not getting attached to those relationships, having to work. And then also, you know, putting your attention on the ones that do work on the ones where you're getting 
positive feedback and sometimes having to let go of the ones that don't. And so that's a really, you know, there's, there's a process of grief that's going to happen for you, Jarlis, when, you know, when you're saying goodbye to, to, um, your old home, um, you've got, you know, it is a process of grief. It's a death of an old life and a new one. And there's also, I think, you know, within that, uh, a, a process of saying goodbye to relationships and, and things like that, uh, not just in mm-hmm. your own, in your own, in your old country, but possibly the ones that you thought you were going to reignite. Uh, so it's, um, it's a whole roller coaster, and, and so that's the reason why I'm writing the book. Uh, the book is not aimed at, um, you know, having people understand, uh, who haven't gone away. Uh, that's not the audience. The audience uh, is the people who are either thinking about going, uh, uh, home or going through it, you know, so that's, um, you know, wow. I, th- there's no point in, in trying to make, uh, other people understand what you're going through who have never been through it. Why would you ask people to do that? Um, mm. you know, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it is, uh, it's a lot and people listening to this and I imagine that a lot of the people listening to this will be either in the process or back home nodding away. But there's little people involved here, and I know you've got your own little people. And, you know, as much as I hear what you're saying about the grief of saying goodbye to the life you knew, uh, which is very different in the UK, it has to be said, to uh, having your barbecues every day in Australia. Mm -hmm. In so many ways, you do feel like you're getting something back. It's the little guy that I worry about. I'm sure that there's other people that you encounter who just their number one concern is the impact on their kids. What would be your go-to advice in that direction, especially for somebody who might have been winging it, as he said, mm-hmm. but thought that that would be good for the kid or that they're now realizing that this turmoil wasn't great for the kid? Yeah, I, I think the turmoil for the children probably is very much dependent on age. Uh, we were lucky we moved when our children were eight, six and three respectively. So they were still young enough that it wasn't a big wrench from friends and they hadn't got to the age where the real, the roots were really deep in, in Australia. Mm. But I think to answer your question about tips, I think your children at that age will take their cues from you. And so if you and your partner make it exciting, um, ensure that you're looking after yourself and you guys are happy and you're on the same page and together and committed to it, make it exciting. You know, I know what we've talked about up till now has been the challenges and there's, there's, you know, very significant challenges, but I, I don't mean in any way to say that they are not worth it. Uh, they are just part of the hurdles that you have to jump over to get to you know, the point where you're moving towards the life that you imagined. And so, you know, going back to the tips, it's stay together, look after your, your, yourself and your partnership first, because that's where the children get their cues from their security, their sense of security, their sense of fun, um, all of that at, at, at their young age, um, is coming from you. It's coming from that small unit. So um, you've got to model the behavior. Yeah, exactly. It's the same as with anything, you know, if you don't want them on, on, on phones, if you don't want them on digital devices, there's no point just creating rules. You've got to lead. You've got to not Mm. be on the phone when they look at you, uh, things like that, you know, so 
So, uh, I, I mean, I find myself and, and Anne-Marie, you know, we catch ourselves sometimes we're on the phone and they're trying to talk to us and we're, we might be in the middle of doing something, but it's, it's a real, uh, lesson because we're trying to help them with that and coach them. But we, you know, you got you got to lead. So, um, I don't think it's useful to dwell too much on, obviously if they have specific problems, yeah, you, you want to solve them. But in terms of worrying about things that could happen. Uh, I'd rather place my attention on making it exciting, making it fun. Um, I think it's a major opportunity to transform your life, to transform yourself. I have a, a really big attitude. Uh, I use the acronym AWE, Adventure, Wonder and Experiences. And I think children, uh, you know, much, much more favor experiences over things. They don't need a lot. And so, you know, I'm always, you know, I'm up in the attic at the moment, which is where I work. I go downstairs. I'm always looking at what's the next trip. What's the next adventure we're going on. We bought a caravan two years after we came back. I've got a camper van now, uh, you know, so it's like just drive on. Uh, you always have the focus on having fun and, uh, your kids will follow. Wow. Well, that is where I wanted to pivot this to next, uh, to be honest with you, James, you really got there before me because <laughs> among the things that I really love about your writing and your work and, uh, keeping an eye on the new Dawn website and your blog posts through the pandemic was this energy, this vitality that you have that, uh, I am so impressed by and also want to adopt myself because I think we all know how languid your childhood could be in Ireland, how the, the hamster wheel of there's term time, then there's this, then there's that. And that's just it. Get used to it. That's the routine. I do feel like Ireland's changed in this way. You charted it in your articles and your blog really well. What am I to get ready for in terms of the change in this place? And am I right in saying that there, this is a country way more conducive to a person like yourself who's like, I wasted my first chance in this country. I'm now going to go out and grab it by the lapels and rinse as many adventures and stories from it as I can. Well, I, th I think, yeah, Ireland is, is not just ready for it, but the world needs, needs it. You know, um, I think there's an awful lot of, uh, connection and attachment for historically for Irish people to being stoic and having, having a hard life. And you can almost get it, you know, cling to that and, and, and believe that that's the way it's meant to be. And maybe that's, maybe that's one of the reasons why you leave in the first place at that stage in your life when you're in your late teens, early twenties, sure. you're obviously looking to take risks to have a sense of adventure. And some people are lucky enough to be able to do that. Um, I remember talking to my dad and he, and he at one point said he, he wished he had the, the bravery to leave because he had those thoughts. And so the people who are lucky enough to do it and to experience, uh, being overseas and different cultures and everything else, I think have a little bit of a responsibility to bring that, that energy and that, uh, talent and that attitude back um back home and and yeah i i think the ireland is is a lot more open it's it's led the way in in many respects um you know in the last few years and it's it's a lot more open and i think you know going back to that energy there there's a you know there's basically uh levels of energy and levels of vibration levels of frequency that we live at and we should all be trying to live at the highest level of 
energy. I'm not talking about just physical energy. I'm talking about, um, you know, mental energy and trying to see the best. So, you know, again, going back to the challenges, we've talked about plenty of challenges, but every single challenge that you have, uh, and, and I'm speaking to you, Jared, as, as well, just as somebody who's about to come home, every single challenge that you're going to encounter is a hurdle. You know, you run, it's something that you're going to jump over. You're going to feel uh, a sense of accomplishment after you've, uh, you've jumped over that hurdle. You're going to be a better person, a different person. And I think Ireland is right for it. The world needs it. And, uh, it is the whole point of life is to basically merge our values, what's important to us, our strengths, what we're good at and contribute to the world in, in some sort of service. And, you know, uh -huh. you, you, you only realize that, uh, you know, when you get to uh, a certain age and that's just a, a natural level of development and that's probably just reflective of where I am at the I moment. love it I love it James and I can really feel the life coaching and the uh, performance <laughs> management background coming through there in what you're saying but like yeah. it, it gets a bad name that stuff but it there is so much in it that uh, while when people can move past whatever hang-ups they might have around that language I just feel there's, there's so much to be found in that. And it's probably a reflection of how much Ireland's changed. The fact that you can actually talk to people on that level and that you've made your business and livelihood from doing that. I do feel a yeah. massive level of achievement. First of all, we're training for a half marathon, myself, Sonia and the Irishman running abroad listeners. Yeah. And it feels like that is going to be a piece of cake compared to packing up and actually getting you know, the sticks uprooted from our tent. Uh, yeah. I might have PTSD for packing boxes and stuff, but again, it's a thing you cannot complain about. Nobody wants to hear it. This is your champagne problem, as I said. Loads of people do not have the money to do what you just did. And even if it nearly broke you to do it, nobody wants to hear it. Um, I, I know I'm thinking out loud a little bit here because my brain is fried and you mentioned this to me in a text message i am at a point here where i don't know whether to laugh or cry the turmoil and the rigmarole of getting through this and the not knowing about what lies ahead i wanted to ask when did you feel or when do you feel with a lot of your clients that the sun rises that there's a there has to be a moment in a few months time where you feel like yeah, we did it. We're, we're finally here. Or will I have a lingering sense of strangeness for some time to come? Yeah, I think it's both, unfortunately. Uh, so I think, I think, <laughs> I think you, you, uh, I don't think it's months. I think it's probably couple of years and this is different for everybody and i remember asking that very question of people who had had moved before me how long does it take to settle um and probably the the sort of median consensus answer was about two years and that's about what i found so i think the first six months uh is just pure survival it's just get a Get through the day-to-day, -day, get the logistics sorted, establish some sort of routine that's focused on your well-being and get some rituals in place that are are, are, uh, are able to sustain you through the laughing and the crying. Um, because the most important thing is not happiness. At this point, it's resilience. It's are you able to bounce back from the adversity? 
so that's the first few months. And then, and then, you know, between six months and a couple of years, you'll, you'll be, you'll be overcoming challenges. You'll be settling in. And hopefully at that point, you'll sort of, uh, move your head will move from looking back and comparing to your life and, or maybe head down and sorting out, uh, things and being reflective and, and a little bit introspective to looking up and, you know, uh, that's what I mean by what I referred to earlier is, you know, go, me going downstairs going, right, what's the next road trip? What, what are we doing? All of that, you know, I always have that attitude, but actually being able to execute it, being able to, to do it might take you, uh, you know, about six months to a year before you, you start to look forward mm. and really enjoy. And I, I have an eight phase model, uh, which uses the acronym adapters and each letter stands for a phase. And that last letter S is shine. That's where you're shining. That's where you're having a great time and your, your vision for your new life has materialized. But that also has a shadow side, which is the price you pay for being away is you'll always have an imaginary life that you may find yourself comparing. Right. So I don't, yes. I know, I, I no longer live in Sydney. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I've got friends, right. And I've got a brother who's still there. And so when he sends me pictures or when they show me the surf and the barbecues, I have an image, a clear image of me there. Mm. And so that's without any of this and with also without any of the struggle pictured, <laughs> there's no, nobody exactly. sends you a photo of the nightmare of the traffic around well, exactly. London, but exactly. everybody will send you the photos from the nights out. Exactly. Uh, but equally, you know, we do have that rose tinted glasses view of our own country that you've mentioned before in your writing that a lot of these decisions to move home are made while on holidays, which is like the Shirley Valentine uh, <laughs> dynamic to this, that yeah. is, a, is a tough time to make the call. But you say that there's, there's ways and methods to accelerate getting to that shine point where it really feels like I'm living my best life back home. One thing you mentioned is routines, establishing those routines. Is there anything else that you, you say, because this is really on my mind. I want to get it in, pointed in the right direction quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think obviously there's the obvious checklists and everything else, right. To get the logistics sorted, which I'm going to, which I'm going to send you. And then there's the mindset and the, the routines that support it. Right. So, you know, you, you were referring earlier on to, um, getting through the language of coaching and everything else. But, um, that, that whole idea of manifestation, you know, I, I'm a very pragmatic person. You know, if I, if I, I need to translate it into something I do every day. So if I'm thinking about my values, um, you know, that's a very, uh, broad concept. What are your values, but what's important to you? My health is something. So, you know, six o'clock to eight o'clock I'm, I'm doing exercise. I'm out, I'm having swims and stuff like that. Uh, and then I have other values, family. So I have that very practically put into my daily routines. So, so the daily routines are the way that you, um, bring your, your, you know, things to life. And it's that, you know, boring, um, it sounds boring, but those rituals, uh, basically you're either doing them or you're not. And so that means you're either living your values or you're not. So that authenticity is comes down to what are you doing today? What are you doing tomorrow? And then. You know, that leads then to you having the space to, um, actually bring some of these uh, ideas. So I, I, I think, you know, children are a great, uh, 
gateway into fun and, and crack and everything else, right? Because we practice an awful lot of seriousness. So I could be upstairs in the attic working and I'm on corporate calls and I'm doing um, workshops and everything else. And I have a language around that and there's jargon around that. And then I go down and one of my children puts on some music and starts to dance like an idiot. And I'm very quickly in there and having, having the crack, right? So like children remind you how to be a child. And I think we have to unlearn some of that and go back to being uh, childlike, but I, I, I would, I would go back to, the, you know, uh, a mantra for the first year might be grit. Um, and I've written about this, uh, which is gratitude, relentlessness, intention, and trusting that everything will be all right. So that's grit, but a mantra like, awe, just having a word like adventure, wonder experiences and be constantly looking at, uh, you know, maybe you, you get to be a bit of a planner and Jarlett for you, you know, you might look at the next three months and go, right. What are, what are my goals? What are my wife's goals? What are my children's goals? Uh, you might stick an, an empty whiteboard downstairs and uh, right at the top of it, what, what would make the next three months great? And just mm. let people come to that whiteboard and put things down, you know? So uh, I, I think it's just, you know, there, there's mindset and there's energy and all the rest, but bringing that practically as a tool into, you know, how do you bring that in? put a whiteboard in, in, in the kitchen, put a, you know, sticky notes on the fridge and, uh, but then make, make them happen. So someone has to make them happen. And, uh, it's, you know, it's usually me in my house, but, um, uh, everybody's on board once, once we do it. So we're like, you know, I always find like if I'm going on holidays before I, I, uh, get home, as soon as I get home from one holiday, I've, I've, I've got the next one, uh, sorted mm. and they don't have to be expensive. Uh, one of my friends actually, when Anne-Marie's mom passed away uh, that was eight weeks after we got back she sent us 12 envelopes and um they had adventures inside them around dublin and we didn't know what was in them and we just opened one every month and went on a day trip so um, magic uh, it's just a simple idea and i was telling my brother about it and he told me a few months later that, that they had done it they had uh you know, basically filled in their own envelopes, three each from four members of the family. And they had, you know, a few adventures for the year. So think about, you know, you've gone back to Ireland, uh, treat it like you're a tourist. Um, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Um, compared to Australia, it's, it's, a, it's a doorway into the, the whole of Europe. For, so that was different for us. Um, so yeah, it's just that mindset, but then translating ideas into action it's all about action you know yeah that brings it yeah because that's real. the difference isn't it i mean there's so many people with great podcast ideas but the the ability to initiate ideas is what's really rare and so much of going back to ireland is i'd imagine going to test you because as you say your attitude to this place is going to be magnified when you have clients who you're doing your best to advise on this, that you know, look, these are the things that work, that I've seen work, but you're meeting resistance. Let's say that it was the partner's idea <laughs> to come to you yeah. and they're like, oh, this guy and his all and his grit. <laughs> what a, how do you win them over and what are the mistakes that you see as potential knockout blows or things that you're just like, oh, mate, if you don't sort that out quick, that is going to make your move back here really tough. Yeah, that's a, that's a difficult one to answer. I mean, I think, 
the conversations that I've had with people who are really struggling, they, they don't necessarily want to hear yes, all of the awe and the positivity all the time. They just want someone to, to listen and understand, mm. um, that a, a, sometimes it's just a matter of they're going through a period of doubt again, um, or a period of grief again, and you'll go through, you know, there's a, there's a curve, you know, where you basically drop off a cliff and you, you reach the low point and then you go back up and, and your life shines. But it's not a, you know, it's not a straight curve and it's not a linear path. So you'll fall back into the depths of despair. And sometimes it's just a matter of listening and letting people know that they're in the right place and that uh, they need to be patient with themselves. And this is perfectly normal part of the journey. Um, but there are also then, um, people or couples or families who just have fundamental differences that had not been explored until mm. unfortunately they're here. Um, yeah. and, and that's why it's really important. I have, I have an, an exercise. It's a bit of a, it's a life coaching exercise, but it's a life canvas that I created. Um, and I r highly recommend couples do it. I did it myself with Anne-Marie. I, I did a course and it was, it was sort of, uh, it was an exercise that they asked us to do as part of the course and I tweaked it. Um, over time, but basically you, 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 um, fill in a one pager separately as a couple, for example, and you write down your values and you write down your dreams, you know, what you see is your life in 10 years, what your definition of happiness is and that sort of thing. You do it separately. And then, um, when myself and Anne-Marie did it, we met for coffee in Sydney and we, we, we looked at, uh, and read one another's life canvas. And it was so interesting because I learned so much I didn't know about Anne-Marie, about what, you know, her point of view. And you think you're quite a, uh, a, a tight couple and you, you kind of know each other's ins and outs, but, uh, in, you know, you still learn something new. So, uh, preferably you do that before you make big decisions. I'll have to include that little sheet in the episode notes over on Patreon. If you don't already know this, the way the Irishman Abroad Podcast Network keeps the lights on is through your support on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. That's three episodes a week with Marion McKeown on a Friday looking at US politics, which is really heating up. And of course, Sonia O'Sullivan coaching from the greatest Irish track and field athlete of all time. She's coaching about a hundred of our listeners to the Antrim Coast Half Marathon on August 28th. You can get the full training plan over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. You can apply it to whatever half marathon you have coming up. Maybe you're going to Dublin. Maybe you're doing one in New York or London. It's all there for five or a month. And it's how this show will keep going. James, you know, some people moved away because of their family. They're going back. Sure. Plenty of them are going back to be with their families. But I know a lot of people heading back is tough because they're now surrounded by those people who maybe made life difficult for them when they were in Ireland. Do you encounter that much? And how do you navigate that with clients who eventually open up to you? Well, actually the biggest source of stress is, uh, my family and the expectations they have, the lack of boundaries they have, for example, or just actual abuse yeah i i haven't encountered uh abuse but um i have uh had some clients who 
have been struggling with, yeah, the expectations of family relationships and generally, um, it is a conversation about the fact that, um, certain assumptions that, uh, we make, um, about coming back and, and establishing or reestablishing those relationships, um, that everything's going to be smooth. And so, you know, obviously there's that, that, uh, disappointment. Um, but the conversation is, is generally first about, um, just being patient, recognizing that it's not just you adjusting, but your family are adjusting. Um, again, it's, it's focusing on, uh, just em empathy and, um, knowing that what you're going through is absolutely typical. And that's the first and, mo and most important thing. Um, mm -hmm. so that they're, they're not, you know, dwelling and second guessing that they're doing something wrong. Um, nor are their family members, uh, you know, in, in that adjustment period. Um, I'm not talking about abuse or anything like that. I'm, I'm just talking about, um, you know, difficult, uh, yeah, family conflict. Yeah, family, family conflict. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's quite, it's, it's, it's quite, uh, uh, obvious that you're going to re have to readjust when you come home. But, uh, something that we don't often think is the other person is adjusting as well. What, what do they do with you? They haven't seen you on a regular basis for years. Um, you're home. You're like, the yeah, and you've changed. <laughs> yeah. The, the fatted calf is eaten. <laughs> after the first few months, you know, and you're, you're a different person. And, um, this, this happens when, you know, people, uh, go through any changes, um, hopefully for the better, you know, we're all evolving and we're all going through personal development, but I think going overseas possibly, um, accelerates that, or certainly, you know, changes you in a different direction to what's staying here and going overseas is, is not wrong. Staying here is not wrong. They're just two different paths, but they, they they diverge significantly, um, and they might never merge again. And I think accepting that that's a possibility and that no one is to blame and that there's still, you know, two beautiful people in the world, um, with their own path. That's what life is, is about. Um, so uh, not, I know I've, I, I've given a few tips on this, but not getting attached and, uh, focusing on the relationships that work. Uh, however, keeping the door open and, um, you know, continuing to, I, I wouldn't say continuing to, to try too hard, but keeping the door open to a relationship changing is, is, is good. Mm. You don't want to uh, get hung up. And I, I, I've been through this. Um, there was a period of time where I was hung up on reaching out and waiting for a response, waiting for, and reading into responses and either not getting them or, uh, you know, being paranoid about what the responses were, um, and it just is not useful. And mm -hmm. I went to, to talk to a coach, uh, myself about, about this. And I got a few tips, which were, you know, stop, uh, you know, don't spend too much time on it. Don't get attached to the response. Uh, you know, send out the love, send out the, the, the good vibes, um, but with no attachment and that's really difficult. It's really very, hard. very hard line to draw, right? Because yeah. we are yep. empathetic uh, people at the heart of it. And we all just want love at the end of the day. Exactly. Um, 
Yeah, but you move I mean, to where you're getting the love from, you know. So you know. Yeah, I, I, but I, if I, you're I a comedian, you tend to focus on the person in the front row who isn't laughing, and not the hundreds yeah. of others who are pissing themselves. And yeah. it is so strange how much energy we devote to the one person in our life who is causing us some grief when there's all these other people dying to hang out with you. I I just yeah. love chatting to you, James. I hope you'll come on again. Uh, to talk about this a bit further down the road. If you like the cut of his jib, if you like what he's talking here, and I can't blame you if you are, James at thewellbeinggym.com is where to go. A new dawn in Ireland.com is his website, Corporate Wellness Ireland and the Wellbeing Gym. I'll link all of that in the info. I am dying to get back. I'm literally about to put the keys in the ignition and go yeah, back. I, I can't wait for so many things that I've missed and so many things that I won't miss about being away, but it's a super emotional time. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I'll have I, a great uh, trip. I'm, I will. I'm really, I uh, want to say a huge thanks to everybody who's been in touch with the most ridiculously kind messages and offers and, um, you know, just meet up <laughs> like people getting in touch with me to play basketball or to come on a run. I'm I'm super excited about it. I have to give another shout out to the guys that made the move possible, and that is Irvine Moving Solutions. I'm sure you have a load of recommendations too, James, in terms of people <laughs> wondering, well, how the hell do I do this? These Irvine Moving Solutions fellas from up the north literally went above and beyond. I said it on the Marion McKeown podcast on Friday. They went above into the attic, cleaned the whole thing out, went beyond into the shed in the back garden, cleaned that out for me as well loaded it all onto a truck and delivered it immaculately to where we are going to live in Ireland. If you have a question, get in touch. Irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. I'll happily talk to anyone. We even have the live line. We own WhatsApp number. I can ring you back. How's about that? You don't get that from other podcasts. The number for the WhatsApp is right there in the info. We'd love to hear from you. Best of luck to you if you are on this journey, if you are trying to do this too. And uh, there's no better man than James Parnell if you are feeling a bit stuck in your life or what your position is and are just trying to find it in you to do this and to embrace the awe, as he says, in your life. I want to say a massive thanks to you as well, James. Just Thank when you. I needed it, man, and really cool. accommodating in terms of our conversation here. I couldn't have needed this more. Thank you so, so much. Tina and Mikey make this show all possible and so do you the patrons of it but James we'll have to meet for a cup of coffee when I get back sounds great I would love to hear how you go and best of luck (laughs) cheers man